0: Why don't you open your Bibles up to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. As you're turning there. So I heard a story the other day. Hold on just a second. Technology is great until it's not great. Ain't that right? I heard a story the other day about an elderly couple that uh, lived well into their 90s. They um, were extremely healthy people, partially because uh, the wife was one of those health nuts. She made sure they always ate the right foods never ate anything unhealthy, always counted their calories, always watched their cholesterol, all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, kept the pantry full of healthy foods, nothing nothing fatty, nothing uh, that we might would call good, you know what I'm talking about? And uh, they happened to die on the same day. They were well late into their 90s, happened to die on the same day, arrived at heaven at the pearly gates at that that exact same time. And as they reached the pearly gates, St. Peter took them right in, took them straight to their mansion. It was decked out with a beautiful kitchen with this giant bathroom suite, a jacuzzi tub, all this kind of stuff. Uh, The man looked at St. Peter and said, how much is this going to cost me? I mean, this looks amazing. What is this going to cost? And Peter said, well, it's free. This is heaven. Next, they went out to survey the the championship golf course. The man was a big golfer, and as he walked out, he saw this giant golf course that was so beautiful, immaculately kept. Every two weeks, it changed to a new golf course, and he got to play every single day. All he wanted to play, and and, uh, and the man said, well, what are the greens fees? This is going to cost me way too much money. How much is this going to cost? St. Peter looked at him and said, it's free. This is heaven. Don't you get it? They finished playing some golf, then they went into the clubhouse, and as they looked around, they saw this amazing spread of food, best food you could ever imagine, anything you could ever want. And the man once again thought, is, how much is this going to cost? This is way too expensive. Peter said, don't worry, it's free. And the man looked at him and said, well, where's all the, the low-fat food? Where's all the low-cholesterol food? Where's all those kind of things? And And Peter said, that's the best part. You can eat everything you want, anything you want. You're never going to gain weight. You're never going to get fat. You're never going to get sick. This is heaven. And at that point, the man just becomes irate. He begins yelling and screaming and kicking. He throws down his hat. He begins to point his finger at his wife. And and they they try to calm him down. And finally, they calm him down. And the man looks at his wife and says, this is all your fault. He says, if you hadn't made me eat all those bran muffins and all that no fun health food, I could have been here 10 years ago. You know, in this life, we spend a lot of energy trying to stay in this life, don't we? And I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the things of this life that we forget just how spectacular heaven is going to be. And we, we quit longing for the next life. Now, this morning, as we prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper, I want us to consider the glories of heaven. I want us to think about the greatness of the life to come. And I want us to look at Revelation 21, which talks about the new heaven and the new earth, the the dwelling place that we will have with the Lord after Jesus returns, after He comes again. And this is the reason why I want to do this. If we grasp just how great heaven is going to be, especially compared to the horrors of hell that we looked at last week, I believe it will motivate us to want to share the gospel, to want to tell others about Jesus. Luke chapter 14, verse 23, it says, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. The Lord wants his house to be full. The Word of God tells us that he does not want anyone to perish and spend eternity in hell, that he wants all to come to repentance, do all to be in heaven. And so, don't you want others to join you in heaven? Don't you? Don't you want to go there, not just by yourself, but don't you want others to join you there? I want us to see how great it is. I hope it's going to motivate you. Let's start in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. We're going to read a large chunk of Scripture this morning. I hope that's okay. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride... Adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Now skip down to verse 9. It says, "Then came." one of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and he spoke to me saying come i will show you the bride the wife of the lamb and he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god having the glories of god its radiance like a most rare jewel like jasper clearest crystal it had a great high wall with 12 gates And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and its width and its height are equal. He measured its walls, 144 cubits by human measurements, which is also an angel's measurement. The walls were built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the streets of the city were pure gold, transparent as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple was the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb." And the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. And they will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let me tell you about heaven. In heaven, we're going to experience God's perfection. God's perfection. You ever have those moments when you turn on the news and um, you're just overwhelmed with the things that you hear? You're overwhelmed with the things you see? Or you get a phone call from a friend, family member, and some, some type of bad news, and you just think that you're just exhausted by it. You don't want to hear anymore. You don't want to see anymore. You you watch the news and you see of shootings and robberies and fighting and wars and sickness and death and pain and division and racism and prejudice and hatred and deception. We could go on and on and on, couldn't we? Just the heartache that we feel, the pain that we feel, the anguish that we go through. Ever since sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3, we have lived under its curse. Gone is the perfection of the Garden of Eden, the way God created it to be. And what, was replaced, what replaced that perfection was hard toil. It was pain, sickness, death. <clears throat> Things are not as they were meant to be. But praise the Lord, that's not the end of the story. That what we have here is not the end of the story because one day we will enjoy the perfection of heaven. I mean, you think about the passage we just read. All throughout that passage, John describes the perfection of heaven. In verse 1, he says it's a new heaven and a new earth. Verse (coughs) 4, excuse me, I'm sorry. It said, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Now look in verse 27, it says nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does, does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we could go through there and we could look at the details He gives of the perfection of those gates and the walls and the gold and the jewels and all those different type things. Heaven is going to be God's perfection. <coughs> when we arrive there, we will get to enjoy it. God's perfection. But you know, I also thought about this this week. Praise the Lord that not everything that we see and hear experience here in this life is so bad. God has still left us with a lot of good stuff to see, right? Maybe you've gone out to the mountains and you've seen a, uh, um, seen that view from way up on top of a mountain. Or maybe uh, you've gone to the beach and watched the sunset over the beach. Um, or maybe it's the sight of a newborn baby or, or whatever it might be. We still enjoy a lot of good things on this earth, right? a lot of blessings. But consider this, if the wrong side of heaven can be so beautiful, just imagine what the right side's going to be like. If we see all the beauty that we have in this life, if we see the wonderful things that we get to experience in this life, those things are going to pale in comparison to what we are going to experience when we are living in God's presence, in God's Perfection. Heaven is going to be God's perfection. Second thing I want us to see this morning is that in heaven, we're going to experience God's preparation. We're going to see God's preparation. Revelation 21-2 said this. It says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, as a youth minister and a pastor, I've done a few weddings, um, and I'll tell you what I've never seen. I've yet to preach a wedding where the couple and their families didn't go to a, a great amount of work to do all the preparations. I've never seen a wedding that was just thrown together, that was just haphazardly done. Um, the, those families that, I, that I've watched in these weddings have always gone to a lot of work, through, a lot of work and a lot of effort uh, to, to, to pick out the location, to get the flowers, to put together programs, to, uh, to find a photographer and pick out colors and tuxedos and dresses and the wedding dress and, and the girls get all dolled up with the hair and the makeup and all this kind of stuff. There's just so much preparation that goes into a wedding. And I've never seen a bride walk down the aisle who didn't prepare herself, who didn't put herself together, who didn't get herself ready for that day. Now, why do couples do that? Why is it that the guy is going to make sure that he looks his best in his tuxedo or the suit or wherever he wears and the girl's going to do everything she can to make sure she looks her best in that wedding dress? Because it's their day. They're celebrating their love for one another. It's one of the biggest days of their earthly lives. John says here that God has prepared heaven for his children as a bride adorned for her husband. In heaven, we're going to experience God's preparation. You know, when you think about it, preparation, to me, points to care. You prepare for those things that you care about. You prepare for those things that you're looking forward to, that you see coming. When you prepare for something, it shows that you're expecting it, number one, right? You know that it's coming. You've prepared for it. But also that you care about whatever it is. You want to put an effort into whatever it is. Guess what? Jesus is preparing a place for us. John 14... Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. The Lord is preparing a place for you as His child. But understand this as well. Jesus is not preparing a place for everyone. He's only preparing a place for His children for those who have received Him as their Lord and Savior. And so if you want to enjoy the glories of heaven, if you want to enjoy the greatness of heaven, if you want the Lord to prepare a place for you, let me tell you what you got to do. You better prepare a place for Him in your heart because He is not going to prepare a place for you in heaven if you do not prepare a place for Him in your heart. Have you made that preparation today? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus into your heart and your life? Have you asked Him to forgive you of your sin? You know, you prepare for all sorts of things in life, don't you? You go to school to prepare to get a job, to have a career, right? You keep all your financial records so you can prepare your taxes at the end of the year. You save money so that you can prepare for retirement. But if you don't prepare yourself for the afterlife, you're not going to get where you want to go. You're not going to get to heaven. You're going to wind up in hell. But if you will prepare yourself by inviting the Lord into your life, the Bible tells us He will prepare a place for you. And lastly this morning, I want us to see that in heaven, we're going to experience God's presence. His presence. You know, last weekend, um, I took... My son, Will, along with the R.A., Sean and John Proctor and a bunch of the other boys and Jay, um, we all went to this campery up in Linden, Tennessee. It's like the big R.A. R.A.s, if you don't know what R.A.s is, it's kind of like Boy Scouts with Jesus um, is what it is. It's like they do a lot of camping and different like like boys type stuff, but it's spiritually based. And so it's a great program, tremendous uh, program. And we went up there and had a great time. Um, Jay here he was he was my son's mentor for the weekend and his nickname is gummy gummy bear and so they nicknamed my son gummy worm so they were the gummy gang they called themselves and uh, they had a tremendous time it was cold it was really cold that the night we were camping there and uh, uh, my son told me it was the coldest night of his life and I would agree (laughs) it was 43 when we got up that morning at 5 30 in the morning all the boys are gathered around the bonfire Um, it was that cold Uh, they were ready to get up but it was fun But, you know, there's that old saying that says something like this, there's no place like home. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I I enjoyed that trip, but I was also ready to get home. And, And let me tell you why. You know, what makes home home to you? I mean, is it your bed? Is it the recliner? Is it the pantry? I mean, what really makes home home? I'll tell you what it is for me, and I'm guessing this is probably true for you. It's my family. That's what makes home, home. Home is really where the heart is, is it not? It is true that 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 saying is true. In your heart, for most of you, many of you, I'm guessing 99.9% of you, your heart is with your family, and so home is where your family is. Do you want to know what's going to make heaven heaven? It's not all the preparations. It's not the mansions. Those are going to be great. Great. It's not the family reunion with when you get to see those who knew the Lord and have gone on before you. That's going to be great too. It's not the, the absence of death and pain. That's going to be great, but that's not what's going to make it heaven. What's going to make it heaven comes in Revelation 21.3. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. That's what is going to make heaven, heaven. The presence of the Lord Jesus there with us. Our faith will become sight and we will see our Lord face to face. All those other things about heaven are going to be the icing on the cake. But what's going to make heaven, heaven is the fact that we are going to see our Lord face to face. Don't you want to go there? Don't you want to experience The glory of heaven. I think the longer you are in this life as a believer, the more you begin to long for heaven. Your loved ones begin to go on before you and you begin to think, man, I just want to see them again. But then the longer you go through this life and you experience the pain and the heartache of this life, you continually look to the Word of God and you begin to think, I just can't wait till I get there. And don't you want others to be there with you? Don't you want your family to be there? Don't you want your friends to be there? Let me just say this. I mean, let's, let's imagine that, that you had an endless supply of money. I mean, it was truly endless. It never runs out. You could give away, spend everything you wanted to do, and the bank account never runs dry. Um, if, if that were the case, um, would you ever hesitate to give away money to meet someone's needs? I mean, if you never could run out of money, would you ever hesitate to meet others' needs, to help people out, to bless other people? I mean, why would you? You have an endless supply of money. It would be selfish. It would be, it would be wrong to sit back and do nothing with that. Let me tell you, if you're a Christian, you are in possession of the greatest treasure this world has ever known, the Lord Jesus. And you can give him away all day long and you will never run out. It will never go away. It is that one treasure we have that we can share with others and it only continues to grow in our hearts and our lives. And so when you have the good news... You can't help but share it. In fact, we must share it. Would you pray with me? Father God, you have given us the promise of heaven, the promise of your perfection, promise that you are preparing a place for us. The promise that one day our faith is going to be sight and we will live with you for eternity. But those are only things that we will experience if we have a relationship with you, if we are born again believers, your children. Father, if there is someone in this room today that does not have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today, at this time of invitation, they would feel that pull of the Holy Spirit on their heart, on their life, to step out, to come down this aisle so that we can pray with them, so that we can take them to the Word of God and help them to see how they can have the assurance of salvation that you promise, how they can have eternal life, how they can have a place prepared for them in heaven and live with you for eternity. And Father, I pray for the church today that as we ponder the greatness of heaven, that that would move us to want to tell others. Father, if there are decisions that need to be made at this time of invitation today, I pray that you would prompt that person to step out of the aisle and come down and share that with us so we can pray with them, so we can encourage them. And it's in Christ's name we do pray these things. Amen. Would you stand as we sing this song invitation?